Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Adventures in Careerland. And we are very happy for our 13th edition. This is the 13th episode to have, of course, our able team, which is Isabella Suarez. She is our producer and she's a student in the broadcast media program at the Louis Riel Arts and Tech Center. One of the gems in this building at the Arts and Tech Center, 13 programs in which you can learn applied skills that will turn you into a powerhouse when you leave and look for work. That's what the ATC offers. But nothing does it better than the broadcast media program. And we usually have Lily Chen, who is our other producer, but she's not feeling well today. So we will journey on in her absence, and she's always here in spirit and heart anyway. So... We are ready to go. And our guest today is one of those, well, we got the big hitter today. We got the guy. This is, this is one of the key players in the city of Winnipeg. Or that's what he told me before we got on. <laughs> this is Lauren Remillard. He's the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. So, Lauren, how are you? I am doing well, Adriano. Great to be here, Isabella. Nice to meet you. Looking forward to our conversation. And uh, I'll just start by saying I apologize for the disheveled look, uh, the cap. Um, as you know, of course, haircuts have not been permitted for quite a while. And I have curly hair. And let's just say for the sake of not scaring anyone, I'm wearing the hat. Yeah, you're wearing the hat. I like the hat. You look a bit like Opie from the Andy Griffiths show, but uh, and that's a show, a black and white show, everybody. Isabella, that's a black <laughs> and white show that really <laughs> tested our sensibilities of of just morality, beauty, and living family values. Mm. And that's what you look like today. You look like you're a family man today because you're in your basement. I am. And of course, My sanctuary. Now the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. Now this is now Isabella is one of our, one of our key producers. She she's a Gen Z. Isabella, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you all doing? Okay. Now we're always we're always happy, to do this podcast because this is a podcast about, the student experience. So people might be wondering, what do you have Remillard on for? This guy is no student. This guy is on the verge of walking with a cane. And th this is. <laughs> This, why Remillard? And I said, well, it's okay to have the players in this town because they also they also had a student experience. So when we talk to you on this podcast, Lauren, it's about students. It's about their student experience. We know that you are a high-powered businessman, but at some point, you were in my class back in the mid-'80s as a fledgling student looking for purpose trying to figure out how to make your way in the world. And I have to say, as your former teacher, how proud I am of you. That's an aside. But what are you doing? I, I, when it comes back to the, the 80s, and you were in one of my first classes, when you were looking back at that time and thinking about life, what would it lead to? What was going through your head? If you were in a grade 9, 10, 11 class what was going through your head in those days do you remember that far back 
Well, let me see. Uh, pull up my eight-track player. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I recall uh, my student days quite vividly. Uh, you know, it's uh, for some reason, you know, those four years of high school in particular, just I don't think anyone really forgets those years. Uh, they, they really shape who you are. Uh, many of us still have friends from our, our high school days and so forth. Um, to be honest, though, and I, I have two sons. One's in his first year of university taking economics. Uh, he's 19, and my youngest is 17 in grade 11 in the Louis Riel School Division, I might add. And uh, it, you might bristle at this, but my advice to them is survive high school, right? Like, because <laughs> um, it can be a very challenging time for people trying to find who they are, uh, trying to make sense of the world. Uh, there's so much pressure, like, okay, you know, you're going to go on to post-secondary. What are you going to do? And, uh, you know, you go from middle school where it's like friends and, and studying to all of a sudden you start getting closer to the real world of adult decisions and adult consequences. So, you know, I just my, – my advice to them was survive high school. But overall, yeah, I remember my experience just trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do? Because back then I think there was – you know, there's still a lot of discussion around careers, but like the experience of myself and my friends, it was almost like by the time you graduated, you had to have your life figured out. Like, you yeah, know, that's different today, no... though. That's different yeah. today. Do you feel that? Oh, absolutely. Because absolutely. we used to get my... Chamber of Commerce missives back in those days when when you were still in the pew, uh, going to school, quite literally, because you went to a Catholic school, but. Yep. You know, in those days, when you talk about survival, it was also a lot of fun, though, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, those Absolutely. were the days. Like, like, do you tell, when you get together with your buddies, you're, t you're rehashing those stories. That's how important and formative those years are. There's a lot of stories we don't rehash, but those are the ones you rehash, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, again, you, you think, you know, high school, for, for all it's good, all it's bad, and all it's in between, really shapes who we become i mean those are key formative years and uh but you look back and you know even some of the things in the t at the time where you're like oh this is horrendous this is the end of the world you look back now with almost fond memories and kind of smile and laugh about it and actually it's a great it's a great lesson for me because i remind my kids hey whatever the biggest issue you think you're dealing with today no if i asked you what was the biggest issue a year ago you don't remember so you know that's uh that's that's the experience of high school. Yeah, it yeah it it doesn't pull you into the muck of houses, payments, and financing your life, and 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 those kinds of things. I remember. I'm going to give you a little insight about what I remember about you as a kid. All right, oh, here it goes. <laughs> this is going to be good because you were the kind of kid who could talk. Now that's been your great skill. You are a talker. That's that is you are a presenter. Whenever I go to a chamber event. I'm always, I get a tingle of pride every time you go up there because I, I, I see you as an accomplished speaker and, and presenter up there. So kudos to you on that. Like you continue to develop that skill. When you talk about it as a foundation piece in high school, I always saw that in you. I always saw those pieces. You were the kind of kid though, if I gave you an 85% on a writing piece, you'd want to know why you didn't get 86. And you would argue with me at a table and because I was a young teacher too, and I I was a I was a yapper and you were a yapper, 
we would go at it. Do you remember some of those? Like you wanted your mark all the time. Give me this half mark. How, how come, uh, how come Schmegley here got this half mark? And I didn't. I want to know exactly why and give me the points and, and spell it out. So every time I see you talk to the province about their, their agenda and how well they're accomplishing their agenda, I can't help think that you're, at, you're kind of quietly asking them for, I want that half mark. Give me that half mark because that's the stuff I want. So I remember that about you. Do you remember that? And I, you were into politics then. Do you remember that? Absolutely. What did no, you do in uh, high school? Like, talk about those times because I, I remember you vividly do, in this context. You, you know what's interesting, though, is how you shift the thinking because you're right. Back then, it was I had to make sure I had straight A's. And if I got 95, why didn't I get 97, 98? I, I said 85. Uh, kind of, okay. I, okay. Yeah, well, uh, sorry about I that. I remember it differently. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you tell your you kids know, anyway. And, and it's actually only later in life that I realized, and, you know, I'll, I'll share a story with you. Um, I did a presentation early in, in taking on this role. I was invited to speak to what I thought was just going to be the leadership class of Balmoral Hall. And uh, I showed up, and it turns out I was speaking to the entire school. So I've never felt more terrified in my life. And I'm serious about that because you... I felt this whole in this context, you felt terrified speaking to a class, a school, a school of of young women, because I felt like this overwhelming. Like I tend to be a little informal. Uh, I don't take myself too seriously, but I felt like there was this weight. Like I couldn't just you know joke my way through this or or be kind of you know glib or anything like that. Especially after I spoke with one of the teachers, and my whole message was about failure. And I, and I emphasized, I said, look, uh, you know, we all have expectations that we put on ourselves, that our families have of us. Uh, and that can make failure seem like it's the end of the world. But I am standing before you today to tell you I am the product of repeated numerous failures. And each one has made me a better person. And that ultimately, in my mind, the only failure in failure is not learning from it. And so it's interesting when you bring up that, you know, fighting for that extra point. One of the things I've stressed to my kids is this. I don't don't worry about the grades. Like, yes, I want you to get good grades, but I want you to learn because what's most important is the education and the learning. Whether you get 87 or 81 or 75, 75 is kind of my cutoff. Um, <laughs> so what happens if, when one of your kids only gets 74? What happens at, at the house? I haven't encountered that yet. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> all right. I, um, I, I hope this happens. And I will have another podcast when you're, when Tiger Dad figures out <laughs> that <laughs> this shall not. But, but, it, does, but it, it speaks to, I think, the evolving view of education and even as a parent is you want the best for your students, your children. And, yeah, grades are important. But let's be honest. Like, learn. Acquire the information. Acquire the education. That will serve you better. What would you rather have? Straight A's, but you don't understand the material? Or you have a 70, but you really know the material? Like, what's going to serve you better in life when it comes to your career? You can only fake it so long before someone calls you and says, do you understand this? Do you get it? But learning's changed a lot there, Lauren, right? Like, learning's yeah. like, like when, you were, when you were in the business, when I was in, 
the business of being a student, when I was in the business of being a student, even teaching, it was really about, can you regurgitate that stuff? Can you give it back to me? Oh, you've got an opinion? Okay. That's okay, I guess. But now with, with, with the ubiquitous cell phone and, and, and content just flowing around you, learning's changed a ton. Now, what, what do you think's good just about wait, Can this? I speak to an example of that? Can I just, yes, yes. here's a great example. Richard Wassman, brother Richard Wassman. Oh, I know. You want to talk about regurgitation? To be or not to be, that is the question, whether it's nobler in the mind, the mind to, to suffer the slings and arrows, outrageous fortune yeah. to take arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing yeah. in them. Opposing in them. Had to, to memorize to that. And that was 30-some years ago. I know, but did that hurt you? Remember. Did it hurt you to do that? Well, it, it hurts people to hear me recite it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it makes my heart sing when you recite that. Well, tomorrow uh, and no. tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a poor player, a walking shadow that struts and frets its hour upon the stage. And then it's more. You realize we just lost all the listeners at this point. It's a tale <laughs> full of sound and fury signifying nothing. nothing. Hey, right on. Like those things, there, there's a certain magic in, in that stuff and beauty in the poetry. It's all poetry, right? So you're not, you don't like the memorization stuff at all? Or do you think there has to be a balance? Oh, no, what, do, what do you think's wrong with school today or what do you think's right with school today? Um. Wow, that's a loaded question. It's a loaded um, one. So you're, and you're also the CEO and president of the Chamber of Commerce. You yeah. could, you could be influencing policy agenda even as we speak. Um, you know, oh geez, what's? Oh, I had an answer. Now I just drew a blank. Um, I, I honestly, I think one of the things we're pushing for, and I do see it, like because when we were going through school. And Adriano, you'll remember, you're right out of the Faculty of Education. Yep, yep. It seemed like there was really two tracks kids were encouraged to to go at. One was go to post-secondary university, do yes. your liberal arts education, become a doctor, lawyer, whatever. If you couldn't do that, go to trades. And that, that was it. Yes, like Those yes. were the two tracks. And the one thing that's frustrating, and not just in my current role, but just as a parent, is what about the third track? And there's yes. probably more, but the third track of entrepreneurship. Like there's this idea that, you know, well, you in either scenario, generally you're working for someone else. Well, as you as we've seen more and more, like I tour startup, uh, you know, Innovation Alley in the Exchange District, and I see kids, and I say kids because literally they're still in high school, but they're operating their business out of space at Innovation Alley. And and it reminds me that there is an amazing depth of entrepreneurialism in this province at a very young age. And we as a community have to do a much better job of encouraging, activating that entrepreneurial spirit, but validating it. Validating it as equal uh, in terms of its value to our society as someone that pursues a liberal arts education or a science designation or goes into the trades. Like, yes. there is yes. not, we need people to start businesses. And, and that's where I think the school system can put more emphasis on saying, hey, owning a business, that's, that's a pretty good thing. 
Well, I agree with you. Like I've I, I run a Tiger's Den and lots of entrepreneurial, like Luriel's got the largest contingent of JA students anywhere. And we run our Tiger's Den. We do pieces. I I agree with you. I've, I've been trying to run that for 20 years, but it's it's a tough slog. It's a hard sell because it is off the beaten path. Now, Gen Z, Isabella's Gen Z, these guys have seemed to have uh, a certain affinity for this kind of thinking. Do you want to talk about Isabella for a second? Sure. Um, I think it's really interesting, like you talked about, uh, this heart for entrepreneurship that is so early on uh, instilled in you know these students um and i definitely see it especially with like my my brother um he is like in high school right now uh in grade 10 and he just opened his own business and his own app um and i just see how a lot of people nowadays don't don't really put themselves inside a box i remembered in high school when i was um like in the last few years of high school, uh, one of my classmates, he ended up, you know, opening his own clothing line. And uh, I think this is really interesting because um, we are, are starting to, you know, push off this sense of going to a university and just going in this traditional path. I think you can just open doors for yourself um, in your own way as well, you know, like you don't necessarily have to be an adult to open your own business or make your idea possible, you know. Yeah, the internet's changed things a lot, right? So, you, you, I mean, you can set up companies, you know, between Shopify and just, you know, GoDaddy, you can set up mm -hmm. your own spaces. But it also seems, now you can agree or disagree, but this seems to be going back in time mm -hmm. to Ben Franklin, where kids are becoming more artisanal, they're more creative, they're more building their pieces, right? So as much as we think we're moving forward, we're really going back to a time when it was expected that young people by 13, 14, 15 were developing a trade and they were becoming artisans. So we seem to be moving in that. What do you think of that, Lauren? Uh, you know what, time will tell. I mean, I think everything, give it enough time, it, it's, you know, what's, what's new is, or what's old is new again. Um, cycles come cycles go um you know one of the things that i am hearing from more and more employers uh i want to share this i, oh, I participated yeah. in a, a a national discussion and it featured the head of google canada and uh the head of george brown college in, in ontario and some others and, and really just talking about the future of work in particular post covid you know the focus on reskilling upskilling uh and just fascinating and, you know, as, as a graduate from the liberal arts and the humanities, um, you know, it was interesting because there's, when I was going through school, there was such a focus on very specific skills, right? Like you get a, you get an expertise, a skill set, yes, yes. and you apply that and you move forward. And now you're hearing more and more from employers, A, the value of a liberal arts education. We need creative thinkers. I need a plumber that doesn't just know how this all works and fits, but can see things differently other than what's in a manual or what tells you you need to do. I need that person that sees opportunity and the challenges and, and, and really can envision and be creative. But as well, uh, there is more and more from employers I'm hearing and seeing is a focus on the general skill sets. We used to call them soft skills, but it's really you know, the interpersonal communication skills, the emotional skills, emotional intelligence, um, 
even if you're a coder where you would think that it's very much skill set, knowledge based, experience, you still that that greater focus on skills that are very general, that are crossed, that can be applied in, in numerous settings outside of your particular field of expertise. Yeah, um, they, well, well, they give you the ability to be interdisciplinary, right? So you can work on a project yeah. team and not just have one skill set. You can add value to the team in a variety of ways. Isabella, what were you thinking? Yeah, like the, what you just said is something really interesting because other guests that we had on the show that just, you know, went to university right now that are actual students yeah that are actual students are saying the same thing you know that uh, we usually think about students being good at for example the humanities or just good at math and sciences but it's good when we can see um, like students that can do both you know um, and I just wanted to know from you did you were you good in both areas when you were a student um, if not like how did that like reflect you in you um, later throughout uh, your career path well, you had to watch your wallet around this guy. He was a very interesting guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, was I, you know what? I, I think I've always um, felt that, how do I say this without it sounding weird? But, you know, I guess I recognized I had a certain level of emotional intelligence that uh, yeah, when I did. started down my path into university, I wanted to get into psychology because, you know, I, I was in the friend zone quite often in high school because I was always the guy that people would come to to tell, oh, you know, I'm having my problem with my, my, my girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, and so stuck in the friend zone and always giving advice and listening and so forth. At the time, I, I guess I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. Um, but so, yeah, I, I think that always had a, a, a blend of that. You know what? I do want to say one thing, too, in terms of why these kind of skill sets are so important. And it, it doesn't just necessarily speak to someone embarking on the first stages of their career. But you really do need to look at it from the multiple phases of your career. And I like to believe that a lot of people, you know, they start off their careers wherever they start. They're not necessarily thrust into a leadership position right away. But most aspire to leadership positions. And this is very important. You don't manage people. You manage process. You manage things. Do you, and, and you lead people. So here's a great example. Would you say I lead the coffee maker? No. You manage the operation of the coffee maker to make coffee. It's a process. It's a thing. Yes. But you lead people. So when we think of leadership, people need to understand you could be the best coder in the company, or yes. you can be the best chemist, but that's not going to make you effective leader. That's mm -hmm. going to make you a, no, a subject matter expert. But when you're in a leadership position, it is about leading people. And it's those, um, those skills we talked about, those interpersonal, the communication, the emotional intelligence. That is what's going to make you successful and why it's so important early in your career to identify, I need those skills and I need to nurture those skills because those are the ones that are going to drive my leadership aspirations as much as any kind of subject matter expertise. Mm -hmm. Well, for sure. And I, you know what, you know what I recall about you as well is you were so entertaining during your presentation. And Are you sure you have the same person, Adriano? Because I, right. I, uh, no, uh, you know what? I've, uh, uh, I'm going back in time. I'm one of these guys who really thinks back. I write short stories about my days 
in the 70s. And uh, when I was growing up, it was all fun. So I remember, like, and, in, in, you know, we were both in a Catholic, you were in a Catholic school, I was teaching in a Catholic school, and uh, you got a good education whether you liked it or not. And there was no if or buts, if or buts in that kind of environment. It was very academic, very disciplined. Did you see that, like, the, the, um, there's a bit of a rigidity there. How? What do you think about schools? Are they too lax? Are they? Could they be a little more rigid? What do you think? Like, what? What would be the best? What do you want for your kids? Your own kids? Because you, you got a couple of them now, and now you got to play. Now you got to play the role of dad slash teacher with them. Um, you know, it's funny. I would argue, and I mean no disrespect by this. I don't think your age determines whether you're old or not. It's mm-hmm. it's when you stop learning, when you stop accepting change, and when sure. you just go. That's it. I liked it the way it was and the, this new fang, dangled way. God, just using that word, right? Uh, that, like that's that. when you know you've kind of hit that, that stage of uh, I'm older. Um, I look back, actually, and I agree. It was very rigid in the sense of the expectation. I still remember our school motto, Adriano. It was, I am a gifted individual willing, willing to, to contribute, contribute to a, to a caring, caring community. community. I remember that. That was beaten into you. And... There was a, you know, I remember. I actually saw that. You, you know what's funny about that? Lou yep. Riel School Division has adopted one, and part of that motto is in the new Lou Riel one. I went, because okay. it was stunning to me about just, I'm a caring individual willing to contribute to it. I'm a gifted individual willing to contribute to a caring community. I thought, oh my gosh, that's what they had in the 80s at this point. Pro- mm-hmm. I, I remember going to the retreat where we created that. I remember it vividly. Whereas a staff, we created that and we hashed that out. Like every word, you know, when you're making a motto or a vision or value statements, every word is economical value. So you have to choose the word very carefully, right? Well, and it, and it, for, you know, it's, if it's validation, it did shape my perspective on many things. It's like I can do anything, but a life lived in service to others is a life lived yes. well. And yes. that has shaped my career. Everything I have done has always been with a view. I want to look back on my career and say it served a greater purpose than just the paycheck. I can look back with pride and saying I made a difference to, to people. And maybe they don't know that. Maybe they have no concept of the work that I did and the influence that it had and the positive impact. That's okay. Just knowing that, you know, and actually it was through uh, my high school that I was, I won't give you the context because it's a long story, but basically the teacher at the time said, look, if you could stop the world right now and measure it quantitatively, the amount of goodness in the world, and it's, you know, one centimeter. And you do something that makes a difference in a child's life or an impoverished family's life or someone struggling with mental health issues. And for that one day, they don't know that hardship because of your influence. Haven't you made the world a better place by an extra couple millimeters? Like that was transformative for me. So to go back to the original question of like the rigidity, yeah, you know, from a academic perspective, it was very much you will learn. I remember our principal coming in saying, you know, here's the bar. Everyone rises to the bar. We don't lower the bar for anyone. And that really stuck with me. It was very much, we're going to teach you whether you want to or not. That's right. You'll and, learn. And you will you learn this and you will yeah. rise. Um, but at the same time, and I'm so very thankful for uh, my high school, St. Boniface Dawson, in that we also had a very dynamic uh, drama program. And uh, it was Mr. Uh, Bohemia in uh, Holy Cross, but the two schools together, 
and it was such a nice balance because you, so had you were this a rigidity. drama guy too. You were a drama guy. Absolutely. Because I, I, I was doing the drama for the first five years I was there. And then when I left, yep. you weren't finished. And so I was doing all the drama pieces before then. I yep. remember that. No, and, and it was just so nice because you, you had schooling that was very, you know, nine to five rigid. But the drama program really allowed us to explore our creative side, validated that that was a good part of learning. Um, yes, and, yes. And a needed part of learning. And, and so I actually think the person I am today and the value I place on innovation and creativity, not just because of the business imperative, but because of my experience at high school, um, it really helped propel that value that I have for those that can think creatively. And you know what? I I agree with you 100%. I mean, I was in drama in my high school when I went. I went into university, was in the Black Hole Theater Company. And I credit, I credit those experiences with bringing me out of... Uh, just my ordinary little shell because you had to explore you had to figure out you had to improvise you had to create all the time my general my feeling is i always say to students i try to do it with my kids one of my kids wasn't just wasn't into it though i said every kid and i've told educators to every kid should be taking drama and art mm -hmm. every yep. kid because those are the pieces that make you a better math pl player make you a better English student make you a better scientist all those pieces turn you into something extra special it's very interdisciplinary Isabella what it's do you think of this? It's also a safe space sorry it's also a safe space yes. in the sense that it allows us to come out and 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 explore uh elements of our our personality and who we are because you're acting and and it it just yeah I find it to be an incredibly safe space nurturing and uh, actually, one of my fondest memories of high school was um, the the drama the drama program. Sorry, Isabella, I jumped in. Yeah, but that's okay because no, no sure. that's a that's a great point because high school is the safe place to try things, mm -hmm. and that's why in all of my career and all the programs that I've created, it was always throw a kid into a frying pan with support, and then they can test themselves, engage themselves, and they take you know, and they can step one foot out of their comfort zone and the more they step step by step out of their comfort zone they begin to realize some great potential in themselves to to take the to make larger strides and i've seen so many kids take off like that isabella go ahead sorry we're just cutting you off left and right here no no it's so interesting to hear your perspectives as well because i was a drama kid too um i wasn't the greatest actress i've got to say that but <laughs> i loved participating in the drama productions and i think it's also because i grew up um, dancing ballet so performances was just something that I could definitely express myself uh, in a way that was safe you know and um, I think it definitely helps you to gain confidence on who you are and I definitely do think that students should all take some arts of you know some sort you know whether it's through dancing whether it's drama or art class even I think it's great for you to really express your feelings uh, as well as express your thoughts and emotions in a way that um, it's true to yourself I feel like a lot of people are trying to live up to expectations of other people but if you are in for example the arts you're expressing it uh, because it's yours and because you feel like this is who you are. And I think we should also um, 
like obviously we should uh, go through expectations and be like good professionals, but at the same time we have to bring a little bit of ourselves into each project that we're in. Hey, right on. And also, I'll say this like again for for those that are listening, you know, think about your career. Like those, there's those that you know. I worked for the federal government for ten years, and I'll use this as an example. There was a lot of value, and I'm not diminishing anyone in the federal government. I absolutely enjoyed my time, and I I worked with many incredible women and men that were committed and innovative and so forth. But the system itself, in a bureaucracy, does not value innovation and creativity. It values turning the wheel, doing what your your job is, so that that enables someone else to do theirs, and the system continues. So. In the private sector and other sectors, the, where you really see the ones that are their careers are growing are the ones that can see opportunity beyond just the here and the now, and and that requires that creative energy, and so that's where I'm saying like it's going to help you in your leadership aspects, but really, our entire economy is being built and has been I would argue over the last couple decades, it's all coming around intellectual property and creative and innovation and. And that is the economy of now and into the future. So uh, drama and arts, I think, plays into that. And that's why, as a chamber, we are actually pushing not STEM studies, but STEAM. You yes. need to add the arts yes. to that. Yeah, I agree. Hey, so what? So tell us about your your educational background. You left you left the die high as a uh, cum laude, I'm sure. Then, oh, yeah. yeah, then. <laughs> You went off into university and such. Where did you go? What did you do? Uh, I went to the University of Manitoba uh, through St. Paul's College. It's where all the uh, kids from St. Paul, St. Mary, St. Boniface. And it, uh, and it was a great, and it had a great cafeteria. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, the cafeteria. <laughs> um, great pizza and fries. I'll say. That's right. I actually that's still right. remember that quite well. But uh, actually, I, it was, now here's an example of how powerful arts is. When I was in grade eight, we read uh, The Telltale Heart by Edgar yes. Allan Poe. And then Gerald Bohemier, who was our teacher at the time, made us do a mock trial. And I played the defense attorney. And I won't bore you with all the details, but kind of went through the whole process. And at the end, they called the surprise witness against my client. And I lost it. And I did the whole Perry Mason thing. And, and, and I got a part in the play because of it. Um, and then because of that, I'm like, maybe I want to go into law school. Maybe I'd be a good lawyer. Forgetting the fact it was a grade eight, you know, project. And uh, I think it takes more than just being able to wave your arms and freak out to be a good lawyer. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, so I actually went into university thinking um, I, I want to get into law school. And I started taking a lot of psychology classes. And then I kind of fell in love with psychology so I, I entered honors psychology did that for about a year realized nope that's not for me got back onto the the law train or the law train and then realized why do I want to be a lawyer because most politicians are lawyers so maybe it's not that I want to be a lawyer I want to be a politician so I still stayed on the law track but I picked up more political studies classes um, at the last second, I graduated with my arts degree in psychology with a minor in political studies. Uh, 
didn't get into law school, took a year to kind of figure out what, what I was going to do. And then I realized, no, I would be a terrible lawyer. Um, and I embarked upon a graduate, a master's degree in political studies and graduated with a MA in political studies. Um, and I still remember my dad at the time, um, who was an entrepreneur, owned his own store, his, a clothing store. And he said to me, he says, great, Lord, you've got a master's degree in political studies. You can BS better than most people, but what are you <laughs> going to do with it? You know, because they were of that generation that says you get a degree that has a functional alignment with a career and that pays the bills. Like, you know, philosophy to my parents was great. You know, you can answer the question, do trees But even green, then with but... your MA, even then with your MA, in those days, it would have been a city Winnipeg job or it would have been a government job because yeah. they valued a degree versus nothing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was tough. I graduated in 95, 95 with my master's. And the 90s was a brutal time. I mean, the yes. economy was not doing well. Uh, us poor Gen Xers, the forgotten generation, I just want to emphasize that again. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we, it, was, it was tough times. You couldn't find work. I remember my first job was in Portage La Prairie, and I had to commute every day. Uh, it, it was tough grinding. And again, an MA in political studies didn't exactly, you know, you had 30 job offers. So that was kind of my trajectory. And then honestly, I, I really started getting into the association world. And it really began to marry nicely with my values and my belief in terms of I am a gifted individual willing to contribute, contribute to, to a caring community. community. Yeah. And, you know, I want to look back and say, I had a rewarding career that advanced something bigger than myself. It advanced a cause for an entire community. And honestly, um, like this is my second like, well, tour of duty through the chamber. I was uh, head of the policy shop from 97 to 03. And then I went from 2003 to 2014 to the federal government. And I came back and uh, in 2016, I became the president. But it was always the lure of the chamber and, and what honestly I believe with every fiber in my body, the chamber makes a difference in the lives of people in this community in ways that people might not be able to see. But every day, I don't care if I have the worst day, it's still a fulfilling day and it's what motivates me. It's what motivates our staff. Uh, you can do anything in this world, but there's nothing more rewarding and powerful than knowing that you helped someone. Well, that's pretty cool. That. Tell me, what's the function of a chamber of commerce? For uh, Isabella here, Isabella here, what's the yeah. function of a chamber yeah, of commerce? Yeah, I would definitely like to know. I'm still trying <laughs> to know, figure it out. <laughs> she doesn't know what you well, do. <laughs> you know, I, I remember when I first started working there, some of my friends, chamber of commerce, is that like the bank? I'm like, no, it's not CIBC. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like for a lot of people uh, here, Adriano, for your generation, it wasn't a question. That and I apologize to the baby boomer for taking all the jobs. <laughs> so the Gen X yes. had nothing. I apologize for yes. that, but let's continue. Um, a Chamber of Commerce is a business association, and it is a global association, but its strength is in its local communities. So they are defined by geographic. So we are the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. We represent business in Winnipeg. It is a membership-based organization. Really, we serve three main functions. We're here to advocate for business. So 
recently, the provincial government finally got rid of the final restrictions on Sunday shopping so that retailers could set their own hours for Sunday. We've been at that since the 80s. Uh, so again, lobbying government, giving them proof that this would be good for the economy, be good for business growth, it would be good for consumers. So that's one main role a chamber plays is to represent and push for changes that would be beneficial to business. Second is providing business programs and support to help businesses grow. So a lot of business is done by getting to know other business, networking, uh, coming to an event, running into someone, the next thing you know, you're developing a partnership or maybe yes. they become a client of yours. That's that an enormous piece. The, That's enormous. That is one of the biggest reasons people join the chamber. It's why our events, for example, are state of the city and state of the province. We have 1,300 business people come out to the convention center. It is one of those business events where, you know, with the uh, University of Manitoba International Distinguished Entrepreneur Award, like there are some events that as business people, you're like, I, I just go to that one. I have to. It's where everyone is. Um, so that's a big part. And also, you know, cost-saving programs, things that can help you save money in your business from insurance to, yes, paper supplies and office supplies. And then the last one I don't think we get enough credit for. I'll give you an example. Chamber was founded in 1873, March 8th to be exact. Uh, we are turning up 150 years old soon. But we have been here since the founding of this city. Yes. And we have been an instrumental part in building the very pillars and the foundation of this city. And one of our big aspects to complement, you know, the advocacy, one, business support, two. Third is community leadership. Uh, a lot of people don't know in 1965 it was the chamber in partnership with the Winnipeg Labor Council that formed the United Way of Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Because business leaders came and said, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a better way that we can support these necessary and vital organizations in our community in a more coordinated fashion. And I'm sorry, also a credit to the government, uh, so it was a three-way partnership. Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, founded by the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, uh, the uh, winter, Winnipeg Winter Wonderland, uh, not a lot of people know this, but it was actually one of our volunteers back in the 90s that had seen it somewhere else and came back to us and said, well, we should do something like that here in Winnipeg. We are a winter city. And uh, so we pulled people together. Next thing you know, uh, we have Win Winnipeg Winter Wonderland. So there's a lot of initiatives that we undertake in this community that aren't necessarily business related. They're just for the good of the community because, oh, yeah. and this is the real strength of the chamber. There is a unanimous agreement. A business community is only as strong as the community in which it exists. You cannot have a prosperous business community when you have a floundering uh, community at large. It just doesn't work and vice versa. You can't have a strong community overall without a strong business community. So, you know, our, our members are leading organizations, uh, volunteering. My predecessor, Dave Angus, uh, good friend, lifelong mentor. You know, he was chair of the United Way Camp. Great man, yep. Absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, our, our members are out there doing amazing work behind the scenes, up front, because they love this community. It's, it's their home. I always find it, can I just say one thing on just on that? It really bugs me when people slam Winnipeg. We're like any other city. We've got 
challenges. There's things that annoy us. Especially hockey players. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, and I told my kids, I said, never let someone insult where you're from. And this is why. I said, you are a function. Who you are today is a function of two things, uh, nature and nurture. Yes, your genetics, your mother and I, yeah, that's half of who you are. Half of who you are is the environment you grew up in. Absolutely. So if you allow someone to insult the environment you grew up in, it's like they're insulting half of who you are. You're a Winnipegger. And and all that's good about you, half of that's because of the, the city you were born in and the city you were raised in, the community that nurtured it. It drives me nuts that we allow people to do that. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of your city because they are one in the same. Well, I Anyways, say, well, I say to you that psychology degrees come in pretty handy. <laughs> well, <laughs> well done. And I got to tell you, Isabel asked a simple question. Got a pretty good answer, and I think okay, I'll give you the half mark. Don't worry about it. I just I've had enough of it. That's done. You you get it, man. That was fantastic. You Sorry. get it. As, hey, as you said at the beginning, I like to talk. You know, and that's and <laughs> I, and I as I said at the beginning, that's your gift. And that's that's something you bring to the table that's super special, your ability to work with an audience. When you said you're informal about it, I think you just hit the right notes when you talk to groups. You're 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 very very good. I love when you do an interview. Good stuff. Anyway, you know what? We're coming to the end of this. I'm getting I'm I'm getting a little bug in my ear saying, boy, this guy can talk. And I went, well, that's his gift, yep. man. This is awesome. <laughs> and you know what, Lauren? I know, I know. And you know what? And it's, I so appreciate you being here. I so appreciate that we messed up last time. <laughs> this is our second crack at this. Our, our technology blew up last time. And it's, it, it's working out well today. So I appreciate you being here. You are, honestly, your inspiration. I always say to you, I remember, I remember you well way back when. I remember who you were. We remember the comma class. We remember all those things that are special to us. I wasn't going to bring up the comma. We remember the Schmegley Award that we used to do. There's a lot more we could talk about, but that's for another, for time. another time. Another time. So, hey, I appreciate you being here. And uh, Isabella, do you have any parting comments? Oh, I just really loved uh, hearing you um, talk about like, the Chamber of Commerce. And also, I mean, how you grew up and become became who you are today so that's really incredible and i definitely think that our listeners will draw some inspiration from your experience where to go isabella she's awesome anyway that's, yes. i appreciate you appreciate that you're in your basement and appreciate that you took the time so everybody that is episode 13 of adventures in Careerland with lauren remillard we will be ready for another final episode because we only have we're going to 14 then we're taking a break and then we're moving on to train another group of students and we'll be back in another time so congratulations on a great production congratulations lauren on being a part of our team today and that's it for adventures in career land <laughs> <laughs>